Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hello, everybody. I'm back again. Got lots of random thoughts to talk about today, so they're all going to be short topics and just kind of a grab bag of stuff, including a bunch of call-ins that have come through recently, and I'm just going to start with those. So we'll listen to all the call-ins, and then I'll respond to them collectively afterwards. Here we go. Hey, Ray, it's Cody. I uh, don't really have any like constructive criticism or anything about your last two episodes. I thought they were really good. Um, I think it's cool to, to talk to other people and get like that kind of outside perspective on uh, your Gygax 75 challenge. And, I, you know, it's pretty cool. But I got to say, um, the music you're putting at the end of your podcast, I like to listen to them and then imagine how you would dance to them. Like, imagine how you, Ray Otis, would be dancing to the music. And a lot of the time, I, I just picture you as like, um, if you were like a child of Zion from the Matrix. <clears throat> so you're like in a in like a black leather trench coat, just like doing these like stupid dance moves. I don't know. Um, anyway, I was just driving home from work and the thought came to me when I was wrapping up your episode and uh, thought I'd share. Anyway, but keep up the good work. Catch you later. Hey Ray, it's BJ. I'm just listening to your latest episode. Uh, I think you made an interesting point about your fighter and trying to you know, like crash, up, crash through the banister um, rather than just running down the stairs and attacking the guy. I think, if I think about kind of how I'd run that scenario in 5th edition, I would kind of do like a risk-reward thing to say, okay, well, if you want to do that, uh, we can just say you did it, and just for some cinematic you know, purposes, for because that's your character's style, and then just roll your attack as normal. Or I might say something like, make the athletics check if you fail you're going to trip and fall on your face but if you succeed you can attack with advantage or you can get some extra damage because you're basically crashing down on top of this guy from above but yeah i think if you're going to add that other step to the process there should be sort of a payoff for it It shouldn't just be a risk of failure there should be a bigger payout hey ray jason here just listened to episode 325 great episode yeah i there's a big push these days to control gm fiat and I'm sure there are bad GMs out there that, that need to be reined in, but I think that's more of a teaching method, a teaching thing they need, and somebody needs to, you know, just curtail them as opposed to games trying to tie GM's hands. I'm, I'm just not a fan of it. Um, there, there's an interesting talk I talk about at my latest episode, 358, about RPG roundtable roulette. It's a YouTube show. There's a link in, in those show notes. I can send it to you on Discord if you want. But in the in one of those, we have Seth Korkowski, we have Anthony of Casting Shadows, and then you have the regular host. And they're talking about different things. And one of the things they talk about is the Doom mechanic in the 2D20 games, specifically Conan. And, you know, Seth Korkowski talks about, you know, they, they ask, you know, well, what do you do if you want to do something cool with your NPC or you want to make something cool happen that fits that you know that should happen for the game, but you don't have enough doom to do it. And says that well, you just do it anyway. And you know, it, which I agree with. I I don't like the idea of well, I don't have enough doom points, or my NPC can't do this thing. I mean, obviously that takes a GM that's gonna not gonna be, you know, screw the players and not be super adversarial 
unless the players signed up and everybody says, hey, let's play that adversarial game, which might be fun sometime, right? Just as one-off to play, you know, the killer GM, that might be a fun game. But normally, as a GM, you want to be a fan of the players. So, like, what you're talking about with Blorp, you know, is her chamber pot in here? I don't want to roll on the table. Sure. You know, if it makes sense, if it's going to make the game more interesting, sure, there's a chamber pot in there. What's that hurt? I guess the other thing I want to say, you talk about, you know, going through curating your content and, and all that. And, and I totally understand that. And Arlen Walker's doing that, too. And there, there's a long precedence of this, right? George Washington wrote his memoirs with the idea of what future generations were going to think of him. They weren't stream of consciousness. This is dear journal. This is what I did today. They were, you know, people generations from now are going to read this. How do I make myself look good? I mean, that's kind of mean to George Washington. That was, uh, you know, the way it was. And and I'm not picking on him. I, I have a lot of um, fondness for George Washington. I, th- I think he's definitely one of our better presidents. But but the idea of going back and, you, you know, for your legacy and, 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 to, and to give a better face towards the consumer, I totally get that. The problem is that I find now, if you go in and just add comments or this or that, no issues for me. You know, so you got the blog blog article and there's a note at the top. Hey, I went back and looked at this and these are my thoughts now. Or you had a thing in front of a podcast. But when you change it, like George Lucas went back and changed Star Wars, and then you can't get a hold of the original anymore, those of us that remember the original fondly or want to go back and find that thing that we remember was on the Plundergrounds blog or or whatever, I'm, I'm not picking on you, and then it's gone and we can't find it, I mean, it makes me want to download all the digital things, right? It's kind of like you want to download books from Kindle, right, and have control of them so they can't disappear, they can't change the wording in there, because we've had authors alter their books, and then they update them, and then you you lose that original text, right? And it's the same kind of thing, which is totally a creator's prerogative. Don't get me wrong. The creator has the right to do that, but as the consumer, I, I, I don't know. I don't like it. Hi, Ray, just one more. Did you um, ever name your Rust Monster? I thought you uh, had a competition at one point, uh, or, or at least looking for inspiration for, for, the, for old Ferris. Right here. Cheers. Uh, first of all, I don't know why you're punishing yourself, Cody, <laughs> with images of me dancing in a, in a black leather trench coat. Uh, <laughs> you're imagining me to be much cooler than I am, I think. Uh, that's, that's pretty funny, actually. I like that. Everybody can imagine me now dancing at the end of the show. You know, I need to, uh, uh, speaking of rust monsters and goblins, henchman, henchman asked me if I had never named the rust monster. I did at some point. I never announced it. I've got notes somewhere and I've got to find those, but I think, I think it was Rufus. I think that's the one I went with, which, uh, is Latin for red haired, but it's also from the German rote, which means red and it could have meant um, read anything really it wasn't just red haired might have been somebody who lived in a red house and uh, so there's kind of a I don't know I think just you know rusty red or whatever I, I, I think that was the one I chose just because I like the name Rufus but I kind of miss I kind of miss the little uh, the little um, rust monster sounds and the tagline that I used to do at the end of the show the you know look out for rust monsters I even at one point decided I was going to do a um, do some drop-in sound effects and uh, to do a faux version of the plundergrounds theme by Logan Howard in 
uh, rust monster voice, but it's pretty hard on the throat and I would get choked up every time I tried it. <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Maybe somebody else can do that for me. If anybody wants to be the official voice of the rust monster, um, call, you know, call in and, and you can do that. You can be Ryan rust monster. Uh, I, maybe I need to gargle while I do it and get some more coffee in the system. I don't know. And BJ, you make a good point about the risk versus reward thing. Honestly, I don't blame the GM for that incident. And I, uh, I don't think he listens to my show, but if he does, um, he ran a fantastic game. Uh, he really did. Well, even if he doesn't listen to the show, I just want to say he ran a fantastic game. Uh, I think that was me just having a little bit of discomfort with the rules, which happens regardless of the rule system. A lot of times, you know, it doesn't really matter once in a while the rules get in the way instead of helping. Uh, and in this case, the way I described that it triggered something in fifth edition. And I, as a GM might've asked for the role as well, but I think what you brought up is the best way to handle it, which is to say, Oh, you're adding, well, you're adding to the fiction. Um, and that's super cool. And if it triggers this mechanic that makes things harder for you, then there should be a bigger payoff as well. So maybe if I'd have made that roll and, and burst through the banister and sent, um, shards of wood flying everywhere, maybe it would have put the defenders on their, on the back feet, you know, that they were scared of my aggression or something and, uh, caused them to, to attack with disadvantage. Uh, that would have been cool. That would have been a cool way to handle it. So yeah, smart. Uh, that's smart. And then, uh, let's see, Jason had a number of ideas in there. First of all, Jason, I wanted to tell you, I stopped at the extra mile this morning for coffee. Uh, it was two bucks, two bucks, not even actually the guy tried to give me back a couple pennies and I'm like, no, no, no. Um, no, nobody wants those things. Don't, don't try to foist your stupid coppers off on me. Uh, yeah, but, um, yeah, it's actually quite good coffee, a large coffee for two bucks in San Diego of all places. Can you believe it? Um, if you just, if you look around, you can still find a relatively cheap cup of coffee, but you know, I also want to say that the, the collective power of $1 at a time is amazing. I love, uh, I mean, as a contributor, I love being able to throw a dollar at somebody and know that if, you know, you get 50 people throwing a dollar at that person, they get $50 a month. That's a lot. I mean, I don't know. It's not really right, but that's enough to buy, um, shoot. You could almost buy a fifth edition hardback for that. Almost. <laughs> You can buy it if you do it through Amazon instead of your friendly local game store. But who wants to do that? Um, right. And I get your point about editing uh, the old catalog. I know that's a human uh, human nature thing to want to kind of clean up your past. But as they say, forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. And I'm going to forgive myself. Uh, but uh, now having said that, my cleanup is just really mostly been about typos and maybe adding a little bit of text here and there. Um, the Oracle cleanup I'm talking about that I've been making into a card set is going to sit alongside the Oracle. In fact, I'm thinking about calling it the augury and it being a completely different thing because I've, I've kind of departed from that, uh, base. And I really like the Oracle still. Um, and if you want to work with three dice, that's great. But the cards are for me right now, because I'm writing on the cards, uh, they are becoming more fluid. Like the fiction is right there at hand and I don't have to try to read dice combinations and do a deep, um, you know, a deep read or rich read on the dice. So, but yeah, I, I and, um, I, I have thought about going back to fix the uh, fix the numbering on my podcasts for at some point, for some reason in the season three, I decided that I should number it 
uh, by the hundreds for the season. So like now they're numbered in the three hundreds, but I'm really in the probably still right around 200 in terms of total podcasts. I don't know. I might go back and renumber them at some point, but that's just going to cause confusion, right? Uh, maybe I just let things be messy and that's just is what they are. Uh, it, it's tough to fight that though. Um, one of my favorite sayings is perfection is the enemy of done. It's a hard saying to live up to. It's a hard saying to live up to. We always want to be perfect and, or to clean up our mistakes and, um, gosh, I wish I could undo so many of the mistakes I've made in the past. Right. So these little things seem like nothing by comparison, uh, almost every day in the morning when I'm in the shower, you know, maybe at least a couple times a week, I'll remember something really stupid I did some years ago and I'll be grimacing in the shower and like, um, you know, beating myself up over it. <laughs> I think it's just human nature, but, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate your thought. And like, I, I agree as a consumer, I don't like to see those things disappear. Um, as a producer, I can't help but, but feeling I could, uh, you know, clean up a few things. Now I noticed in the Oracle, even the other day, um, that I had a typo in there. So I like, you know, I think fixing a typo doesn't count as like editing yourself in terms of the back catalog. You're not really removing anything, but, and that's really the kind of brush up that I want to do is just make sure I know those things are in good shape and that I'm uh, sharing the best version of that, that thing from me at that time in my life that I can share. So, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for the call-ins guys. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, that was Goblins Hinchman, Jason, um, BJ and Cody. I wanted to go back to uh, my podcast a couple weeks ago where I was talking about the Blorb principles. And uh, really, we had a great discussion. I wish we had recorded it. I, I don't know why I don't just think to automatically record things and then, you know, I can share them. But uh, my little group had a, my gaming group, JJ and Bill uh, and I had a nice discussion about those, about those articles. And I came away with a better understanding of them, even of my own thoughts regarding them. And, um, I did a little digging, you know, the diegetic thing. I mentioned that I was going to pretend I'm not smart enough to understand it. And it is kind of an elusive concept, even after you get it explained to you and you sort of get it firmly entrenched in your head. Uh, interpreting what that means in when you're reading a game book is can, can be a little difficult. But I did find kind of the source article on that. Um, and it was a term, um, it wasn't created or coined by her, but it was kind of first used in gaming, I think, by her. Uh, and that is Emmy Allen, uh, uh, quote unquote, cave girl. And um, she's got a blog out there. I'll try to find the link, uh, the link to that. It's, uh, yeah, cave girl games. But I think, I think she goes by a different handle now. At any rate, uh, uh, and, sh and she had borrowed the term from film studies. And uh, the example, one of the examples she gave that I think really illustrate it well is soundtrack. So there are soundtracks on film that are overlaid. In other words, just, um, just music that is being played in the background. Um, and that's non-diegetic. It's not of the world, right? Um, so, uh, the doors playing over apocalypse now is non-diegetic, but music that's in the world. Uh, so when Veruca Salt sings, I want it now in Willy Wonka, that is diegetic because she is, well, that's a song in the movie. She is singing it in the movie. Uh, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is another example where all those songs that are really not, um, not uh, well, they're, they're in the world because they're on the mixtape that Star-Lord's Star mom gave to him, right? And so even though it's just like a soundtrack playing over it and you don't always see him playing the tape, you kind of feel like, all that music is in a way diegetic. So th there are gray areas though. 
Now in RPGs, I feel like, um, you know, diet, well, Emmy says di- diegetic things include character equipment, height, weight, etc., but not stats. Uh, probably alignment. There's a gray area there, depending on how you do alignment. Uh, being injured is diegetic, but not hit points, right? Because they're abstract. Um, you know, the shorthand is, did it happen in the fiction or not? You know, can you see it in the fiction? And the thrust of her post was about precisely defining the terms uh, diegetic and non-diegetic and about some ideas for moving abstract non-diegetic things into diegesis. Uh, and I, I think that's, it's it's smart, right? Is to kind of like, as much as you can, make things uh, that you add to your fiction feel like part of the fiction. And uh, But there's also a time for abstract stuff too, right? I mean, what would Apocalypse Now be without the doors playing over it? And yeah, I just thought it was, an, it was a really interesting idea and I'm trying to do it justice uh, here just in a few seconds, but um, you can certainly go over to her blog and read her entry on that. I'm still kind of... Uh, ruminating on what that actually means like uh, is there anywhere in my designs that i need to be thinking about making things diegetic uh as opposed to non-diegetic right and that's uh that's tricky it's tricky but i think in old school games a lot of times it comes down to this kind of thing uh around player skill right so uh, diegetic uh, in the articles in the blurb articles are article we were reading that the diegesis came up i think it was the blorb articles uh where they said uh you know like levers in a in a trap room or whatever are diegetic like you if you pull the levers in a certain way certain things will happen and that's coded into the world it's not something off a random table it's not something well even random tables could be diegetic right i I think um but it's not a mechanic like roll d20 and add part of your stat to it and so it puts it in the realm of things that players can figure out in the fiction as opposed to uh, looking to their character sheet for an answer. And I think that may be the crux of it, but I'm still learning. Um, I try not to get too much into theory because theory talk wearies me and it causes dumb arguments uh, that are almost always irrelevant at the table. But that's that's my opinion. Um, certainly not the opinions of others, but I, I get tired of it. On the other hand, I know that's uh, that's fun for other people, so I don't mean to to uh, poo on somebody's fun there. <laughs> uh, let me let me move on from that. Um, I'll point out that the other day when I was working on my card based uh, version of the Oracle, the Augury. Let's just start calling it the Augury. When I was working on that, I was revisiting some other inspirational sources because I think the the thing that bugs me about the Oracle, which I, I really like as, as a solo engine, is that it's just basically Mythic GM boiled down, right, to use 3D6 and to take out a lot of the complexity. And as such, I feel like I'm uh, piggybacking or kind of ripping off Mythic GM a little. And so <clears throat> I... Um, Excuse me, I always want to give credit there, but I also would like to move away and make something a little more original. And so I was looking into Archipelago and Itris B. If you've never heard of those two games, Archipelago is it comes out of the, in the Nordic tradition. And it's um, it's very meta. It's very story gamey, and it has a lot of kind of ritualistic phrases like uh, things that you can say while you're playing, like harder or try a different way, or uh, which <laughs> ironically sounds like things you might also say during sex. I don't... <laughs> 
Now I have to go look at the other phrases and see. You ever play that game when you were kids where you where you pretended that every well, not just when you were kids, right? Um, but you just pretend that every everything being said in the next room over that you can hear is has to do with sex, and it just gets funny, right? Well, I'm still a child. Uh, uh, any rate, the um, I was looking at Ar- Archipelago, and uh, that one's I think out there for free. I'll see if I can find a link to it. I'll make a note here for myself so I don't forget to do that. And then uh, if uh, if you've not heard of Interest B, it's I know it's on drive through um, and I'll I'll work on that link as well. But Interest B is a surrealistic setup, um, kind of. Gosh, I was trying to think of what you could compare it to. It's very it's very um like magical realism slash surrealism slash uh it has an, a noir vibe to it like uh, i think a lot of games would be investigation based or just experiencing weird scenarios and trying to figure out what's going on and it has these resolution cards that um not only do the yes and and no but and you know those kind of distinctions um but exp- explains gives you kind of a, a phrase that you can work with um on the card and then there's also these uh, twists i forget what they call them but they're little twist cards uh resolution cards actually i got some notes here um so let's let's okay so the resolution cards are the yes and yes but no but yes but um help is there's actually three different yes but cards um there's a help is needed card uh there's a no and card and there's a yes, but only if card. And let's just take the last one. Yes, but only if. And then in the explanation, it says the character can get what she wants, but only if she chooses to make a certain sacrifice. So these resolution cards help you move through the fiction. And then there are things called chance cards. And um, like there's one called inner monologue where you sort of time stops and you sort of think about things. Um, there's one that is uh, a reality split. Multiple timelines are happening simultaneously. There's um, um, one called prosopopeia. I don't know if I said that right. Uh, things and animals start to talk. So you can, <laughs> as I said, it's a little surreal, but um, they, they're very clever. Some of them, some of them could be more, uh, cause some of them could be used in a more generic game. So like, uh, as a card here, this is nemesis, which in, and I don't remember what the actual text is cause I was making notes for myself. So I, I've written awaken a new or old enemy. Um, here's another one haunted by the past, reincorporate an earlier mistake. And so these cards help you move the fiction around, um, and they're just a different way of rolling dice in a, in a way. But not only do they give you a pass-fail, they give you suggestive text on how to interpret the uh, die roll, as it were. But that's interest B. And uh, those games are both worth reading, I think, just for their inventiveness. Archipelago is very short, and you can kind of skim read it. Interest B is a little longer, and it starts with the fiction. So you've got chapters of fiction to get through. Um, I would recommend skipping ahead to the mechanics if that's what interests you, and read those first, and then go back and kind of get a sense of the world. Honestly, you can get a sense of the world just from the drawings that come with it. Um, Edward Gorey is a good reference point, right? If you've ever seen the drawings of Edward Gorey, um, they used to appear at the beginning of uh, they would appear at the beginning of PBS's mystery show. Sorry, I got cut off there. Anchor, for some reason, only wants to record five minutes at a time. And I don't know what's going on there. But it's a, um, yeah, 
It's kind of shit. It bothers me because it's, <laughs> it's the easiest way for me to record just to kind of go straight into the podcast. I don't edit. Uh, maybe I should. I, I don't, um, look, I, I don't understand the whole mic thing. I used to have this thing down. Uh, but today I notice I've got plosives going really bad. Uh, so I need a windscreen. I'm, I'm in a new office and this office is very echoey. And because of that, the mics struggle a little bit, I think. So I need to put some like carpet and things in here to kind of dampen everything down because the, the problem is really not the mic. It's my environment, but it shows up in the mic and the way I'm using it. Um, and today I'm, uh, I got it pretty close to my mouth cause I'm in kind of a quiet mood today. So I hope it's not too bad. I'll, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Perfection is the enemy of done. If I, if I waited until I got it perfect, I wouldn't be podcasting. So, you know, I, 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 uh, I had it dialed in the other day and then I kind of lost it. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure, but I will, I will, um, continue to try to, to do better. Finally, and I, I say finally because we're on about a half hour here, and I think I'm just going to leave it right there. Um, I wanted to point out that I did inter an interview, a live interview, a streamed interview, so you can get to look at my face for what that's worth. Um, although I failed to wear a black leather jacket and dance. I don't I don't know if Cody will ever forgive me. But um, I did an interview on Hexed Press, so Todd and I talked there. Uh, I've just recently became, uh, I just have recently become aware of Todd's podcast, his video cast, I guess, uh, and um, it's pretty cool. I've been kind of going through some of his back catalog, um, and uh, so he and I talked. Uh, it says about the Gygax 75 challenge, but honestly, we went all over the place and talked about a lot of old school stuff and uh, a little bit about the Gygax 75 challenge. You're probably tired of hearing, hearing me talk about that by now. <laughs> so I'll tell you that it's, it's a lot more stuff than that. Uh, but yeah, we can, we, you can, um, go see me there. Uh, um, I've been a potty mouth lately. Sorry. I know that I, I've sworn a few times on, on this podcast and I do on that one. My mom would be very disappointed in me and uh, I try not to do that because I know people might have kids in the car or whatever. Um, so I'll, I'll, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do better. That's all I can do. Right. It's all I can do is try. Um, I don't really have any problem with swearing, uh, obviously, but, um, I try not to do it. So yeah, there we go. Um, so you can, there's, there's a link to that and I'm just going to send you over to my Patreon, uh, for that link. It's patreon.com slash blundergrounds. It's, uh, the link, the links are open to the public, so you should be able to see the post. Um, and, uh, and in general, I've kind of redone my homepage. So if you just go to rayotis.com, you can find links to most of my stuff there, um, including all my free games on itch.io and, um, a kind of abandoned, but still good radio, vintage radio, uh, drama blog that I kept. Um, my Goodreads shelf, so you can see what I'm reading. All those things are over there. Uh, my Mastodon link, and if you want to um, toot something at me on Mastodon, <laughs> it's the, the one social media thing that I indulge in, and uh, uh, and it's starting to feel like Google Plus to me. It's starting to I'm starting to gather a little circle of gamer friends there. Um, I guess Discord social media too, but it's it's social media of a different kind, right? It's closed sets. And so I still, I still do discord and I still do uh, mastodon. I do a little bit of me, still, but I think I'm exiting that platform slowly. And, um, yeah, anyway, you can find all my links at rayotis.com. 
uh, or you can go directly to uh, patreon.com slash plentagrounds to, to see the link to that Hex Press interview. And I'll just send you over there so he gets the, um, he gets the traffic. And uh, yeah, I had a good time talking to him. Uh, Todd's an easy guy to talk to. And uh, he's got some interesting idea of his own to share. And I hope you check him out. All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, appreciate all your all your patronage, all your support over the years. Um, I'll just say two things. One, uh, this closing music is for Cody, um, and I will be dancing in my office just in honor of you. And uh, you can I'll let you picture it. I, I won't put up a video because that would just be cruel uh, and unusual punishment for everybody. But uh, yes, I'm going to dance. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll just chair dance. Maybe my butt will stay in the chair. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't. Um, and uh, uh, you know what? Look out for those rust monsters.